So I'd like to talk about crime. And I, I watched this Leonard Peikoff uh, lecture from, I think, 1995 on what entitled What to Do About Crime. And uh, I watched it recently. This was the second time I watched it. I maybe watched it a couple years ago or something for the first time. And it didn't really seek it, sink in at the time. didn't really get it. Um, it really clicked for me this time around, <laughs> watching it a second time, this lecture on crime. Um, I don't know why, but uh, it made sense to me. Uh, and I'm going to do this comparison where um, this is guy, this is a behavioral economist who's really famous, who came up with the, you know, uh, Schiller index, where it's this index that sort of tracks housing prices. And, uh, he's famous for, you know, describing the housing bubble. And I say describing it, and I use that word choice in particularly, uh, because he does, he can only describe what a bubble characteristics are, but he, he fails to actually describe what causes a bubble, right? So he, he fails to really actually understand in totality what causes a bubble. So this economist, right, this famed economist, I think he teaches at Yale, he, uh, he fails to really understand what causes bubbles, at least in my mind, at least in this, this article that I linked to from Frank Shostak of the Mises School, uh, who, who makes the case as well that you know, Robert Schiller, this professor, can describe, you know, characteristics of a bubble, but he never really gets at the essence of it or the cause. And I want to just compare that to um, this lecture from Leonard Peikoff, because a lot of people who study crime, they make, you know, this is their, their job. They, I mean, how many people out there are studying crime? A lot of people, you know, there's, there's a is the social justice warrior angle. Then there's the, you know, I'm sure that there's other people that study it that aren't so social justice-y, but a lot of people blame, you know, what poverty they blame, you know, inequities, right? The, the, the black racists out there will blame, you know, white people on black people's crime. Uh, that's been going on since at least the sixties. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. I, I watched this old clip from a riot of like Detroit, I believe in the sixties and you know, the government at the time, our government at the time commissioned some report. And in this report, it basically blamed white people. So, you know, blacks have been blaming whites or liberal lefties have been, you know, blaming white people for black people's criminality and rioting at least since the sixties. This idea has been around at least since the sixties. Incredible, isn't it? So, uh, you know, regardless of whether, you know, you're on the left and you do think it's white people that cause black people to be criminal, uh, or, you know, historical, you know, racism or whatever. Uh, if you think that that's the case, you know, still today, you'd still be interested in, in crime, right? Cause everyone, everyone, unless you're a psychopath, you know, wants to lower crime, wants to figure out how to alleviate crime, wants to figure out what to do with crime. Well, Leonard Peikoff in this lecture, he, he first, he first goes into everyone who studies crime and they have all these different reasons why they think crime occurs. And it's just these, these theories that, 
you know, you could pretty much say any crime. And then he goes into what he believes um, is the essence of crime after he studied it a little bit. And he came up with you know, five different characteristics of a criminal. And he, he, his theory is that it's the philosophy uh, that, that a criminal holds. It's his ideas about the world, about himself and his place in it. Uh, that causes criminal behavior. And he thinks that with philosophy, with a different philosophy, a different mindset, a different um, worldview, right? A different pattern of thought in this in, in someone's mind can actually, you know, uh, make or break sort of a criminal. And, and sort of, if you were to change the ideas of our culture, right? If you were to change education, um, if you were to change, you know, what you teach people, how you bring them up, essentially you can raise less criminals. Um, but everything in this lecture, and I'll go over the five things that he saw as the essence of sort of what describes or makes up a criminal, um, the pattern, the, the typical patterns that they, they have and the thoughts that they have. Uh, but, uh, what, what, I came away with after watching this lecture from Leonard Peikoff about crime was that our society is just going to be turning out criminals left and right. Like we're going to have so much crime. I mean, it's, it's just, we have an explosion of crime and there's nothing that the justice system, like they could raise penalties. They could, they could bring back the death penalty, harsher sentencing, but that still won't stop the crime. Um, and so I'm very bullish on crime. And I wish there was like a crime ETF you could buy. And I'll just note that I saw an article, I guess it was yesterday or two days ago, where Michael Burry, you know, he's he runs a fund over a hundred million dollar fund, and they have to report their their long trades. He got rid of, you know, in the second quarter, in the second quarter, this is dated, of course. He got rid of all his stocks, all his positions, except something called Geo Global. And what is that? It's a prison stock. It's a private prison stock. And I thought, oh, wow, that's really that's really funny. Now he could have bought this stock for any number of reasons, right? But but since I'm on this like crime kick and I'm you know interested in crime and, and fraud and all this stuff, um, I just thought it was super funny. You know, is Michael Burry also like very bullish on crime? <laughs> is there a way that you could get all the prison? stocks together in one ETF? Is there a way that you could, you, what, what are the, what other investments could you make if you were very bullish on crime? I don't know, but I guess, I guess if you're very bullish on crime, you know, you could buy a prison stock, which is apparently what the only stock that Michael Burry, you know, deemed to have <laughs> at the end of the second quarter, at least <laughs> I thought that was funny. But, um, so I'll just briefly go over the, so I already told you that it's the philosophy that Leonard Peikoff believes makes a criminal mind the philosophy the ideas that they hold now i'll briefly go over to the extent that i can remember <laughs> i think i can remember them most of them uh the five essence the five characteristics now that describe or describe the essence of it of a criminal and that is number one it's impulsiveness um and he, he likened impulsive people you know, anybody can have, yeah, it's a sliding scale of impulsiveness, but the impulsiveness he's talking about is the sort of want it now mentality. The idea that, uh, there's this experiment where you tell a kid to, 
uh, he can have one marshmallow now, right? The marshmallow toast, or he can have two marshmallows if he waits, five, you know, 10 minutes or something. Um, most kids will wait the 10 minutes or some kids will, I think most kids will, uh, but, but there's some that just won't do it, you know, and, and you, you could even lower that time. Maybe, I don't know, five minutes or something to try to lower that time. And there would be some kids that just want it now. And this is, this is a, this is a, this is a characteristic of, um, someone who is a, you know, career criminal is that they want something now. They don't, they don't really plan. They don't plan the future. They just, they just act in the moment. Uh, number two is anti-authority, anti-authority. So there's people that don't like authority. Uh, number, number three, I think was, uh, I don't know the order, but, but, but in general, okay. The next one is, um, anti-intellectual. Uh, they don't like to read books, right? They, they don't, they don't really, they're not conceptual level creatures is what he called them. So like man needs to use concepts and thinking to survive in this world. And this, this type of a criminal mind, a typical criminal, not the mastermind criminal, we're talking about just, just the average criminal actually has a little bit a lower average IQ and doesn't like intellectual pursuits. Number four or five is anti, anti, um, anti, uh, reality. So they don't, they basically don't live in reality. They reject reality. Another one, the biggest one, that's a huge problem. I see now victim mentality. They think everyone's out to get them. They think that they've been wronged. Right. And so if you think you've been wronged and you're not reasonable, you're not intellectual, you're anti-authority, you're impulsive. Um, this, this, these, these are the signs. These are the ideas, right? Characteristics that make up a criminal mind. Um, there might've been another one anti, I, I want to say like anti-rational reasonable, uh, but that might be the anti-intellectual one and, or, or the anti, anti-reality one where they sort of reject this world and their place in it. They reject that they have to like, you know, do certain things to live. Like just, just if you reject this world, you reject the fact that you have to eat every day. I mean, they, they, they instinctively know they have to eat, but they don't, they don't uh, plan they don't realize what they need to do in order to acquire skills to go out and get like a job and to feed themselves. They just don't, they reject that completely. They also think that, that the world is out to get them or they've been wronged or that certain people were just born with privileges, Right. Does that sound familiar to you? Because it sounds familiar to me. This is the idea. This is like, to me, the BLM movement, CRT movement, it's just breeding black criminals. And black, I say here in particular, now white people can be criminals too, right? But but and I can see I can see white people becoming criminals, right, who who are into crypto. Well, they, they kind of reject the world. They reject the fact that, you know, they think that the dollar is worthless and Yes, it is inflating, right? It is being devalued by our government, but that doesn't mean that you should reject the entire world out there, uh, that you should reject capitalism, that you should reject government. But I see, you know, I see white people. That's why I'm also very bullish on not the price necessarily of different cryptos or, or Bitcoin, but I am, I am bullish on space. I don't think it's going away. I think it will keep coming, you know, coming back if it, if it does disappear for, for a bit. I think the mindset's already here. I think this idea that we don't trust government, we don't trust the dollar, these are these are like ideas that really sink into people. 
And they then, you know, they create their own little Ponzi's in crypto. And they think that, that it's okay. They think they should be able to get away with it. Um, um, uh, and I just saw a car light. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, anyways, they think that they should be able to get away with it because everyone else is stealing. So even yesterday, I was talking to someone and uh, they brought up, oh, well, the government uh, is the biggest Ponzi scheme. Because I said, well, Bitcoin's kind of like a Ponzi. And they, they said, well, you know, uh, our government's the biggest Ponzi. Well, just because our government is doing something that's wrong, right? I would say illegal. Um, running a Ponzi scheme doesn't mean that, that it's okay for you to run your own Ponzi scheme. I don't think that, that that's good logic. Um, and it's also, but it's also testament to our time that people think that because other people are criminal and getting away with it, or that the government just sets everyone up for failure, that, that it's okay for you to go and start your own, uh, Ponzi scheme. I just, I just reject that idea. Um, and I think that idea is why we're going to see more cryptos, right? To the extent that, that there's not harsh penalties, right? And people, people always want to do this, play this risk, risk reward game, you know? So the white collar crime, right? The white collar crime, I'd say, I'd call it is going to be, you know, maybe in the crypto space and why we're going to see more frauds and more Ponzi's, but back to hard, but you know, Leonard Peikoff actually was, was, um, he, he focused, uh, he didn't focus on, on white collar, um, crime. He focused on the hardcore crime because he said crime is something that's punishable by, by the state and that all the states, all the countries out there have their own laws of what is criminal and what's not. I mean, I think there was a law, I don't know if it's still a law in Singapore where if you spit out your gum on the street, I remember it was like you could go to jail or there was a death penalty for you. I mean, there's some crazy laws in different countries, just different cultures. I don't know if that's still on the books, but I mean, I remember that hearing that as a kid and thinking, oh my gosh, like <laughs> better not spit out your gum there um, and being really frightened. But that's the thing. If you go to a different country, you have to respect those that, that country's laws. But so he wanted to focus on, you know, the, the sort of universal across across the world where all of these types of crimes are con, uh, condemned and that's not the fuzzy stuff it's the it's the very violent you know rape murder uh, dismemberment I mean what you <laughs> all the bad stuff that someone could do to violate your rights I mean he didn't even talk about um, I don't think he even talked about um, property theft maybe maybe he was including that but <clears throat> I'd say property I'd say theft is also one but uh, I w he, w he wanted to focus on, you know, make you think of murdering and stuff uh, and rape. He wanted to focus on the really, truly violent, you know, violent uh, uh, ones where someone is violating someone's individual rights in a, in a horrible way. And, you know, back to the CRT and, and you know, the it's so sad, but like most black people are going to be raised in an environment right? If they don't get it from home, which they probably do get it from home, or the, you know, from the parent, oh yeah, white people are always out to get us, the system is bad. They don't get it from home, they're going to get it in school, or they're going to, you know, through CRT, or they're going to get it um, by watching Emmett Till, or watching, you know, the movie Black Panther, or watching, you know, you could, you could pick any movie, 
right? Where they, where they're show, showing white people bad, black people good, black people have been oppressed, right? So if they're not going to get it at home, if they're not going to get it uh, through through school, which is virtually impossible this day and age, um, they're going to get it in media. They're going to get it in college if they go to college. Um, so it's just like a little breeding ground for black criminals in this country. It really is. I mean, that's why I'm bullish on crime. Um, and unfortunately, there's no way to stop it, really, um, from taking hold. Now, that doesn't mean that every every black person that hears CRT message and, oh, white people bad, doesn't mean that they will all become criminals. Of course not. But it does, you know, if it takes hold of you and you're not very independent-minded, right, and you don't have, and, and you're, uh, there may be other factors come into play as well, uh, this this person could easily slip into a pattern of criminality. Um, and he did talk about how the right wanting to just slam the book on criminals isn't really a solution to the criminal creation of justice. And if you've done something horrible, I agree that you should be punished accordingly. But the left is always talking about rehabilitation. They're always focused on the criminal. Can he be rehabilitated? Um, I guess I, I do think that that's a good goal if you can achieve it. And if the person hasn't, you know, killed someone, I, if, they, if, if they've killed someone, I, I pretty much want them to have the death penalty. Um, but if they haven't done that, if they've just stolen stuff, yes, let's try to rehabilitate them while they're in prison. And, you know, his idea is that you can only really do so with philosophy, with, with, with changing the ideas in their head, which, you know, um, he did mention, he did mention someone who's trying to do that. Um, I don't know how successful they were, uh, but if it's just one guy, I mean, that's not going to, that's not going to help society, uh, broadly, because if it's just one guy that's got this one idea on how to, how to fix, you know, how to rehabilitate, obviously it's got to be an idea that takes off broadly to, to, to affect society. But really what we, if we don't have this, this idea that we can fight criminality with, with philosophy in our society, or until we start implementing, you know, the right ideas in schools, right, including getting rid of CRT, getting rid of all that stuff that just creates this idea of victimhood, which is one of the five characteristics of, you know, criminal behavior, um, until we, we change our, our schools, which would take, could take 100 years, right, we're going to be, we're going to be um, experiencing crime. And the, so the people that are growing up today, the people that are growing up today have it even worse off because they're growing up, you know, victim, you know, this victim mentality, this anti-authority mentality, this anti-rejection of reality in this world and what they need to do in order to live in it. Uh, all the, you know, all these characteristics that are happening um, that I see are, are more prevalent now, maybe than they even were 30 years ago. Uh, but so that, what does that mean? It means that the people growing up today, there's more, more, more of the people growing up today in, in, you know, in this kind of type of environment that we have in our culture and the ideas that it permeate through our culture, uh, it's going to produce more criminals. And so, you know, if, you know, these criminals start early too, some of them start really early, uh, 15 years old. So 15 years from now, we're probably going to have a lot more criminals than we even do today. I mean, cause, cause Leonard Peikoff, he really started to mention, he, he did he did look at the history of crime a little bit, and he mentioned the 30s, and then he mentioned uh, when those people had started to have kids, and then they grew up in the 60s, and so attitudes and, and ideas were shifting. 
and then he he said yeah you can see it you can see the spike in, in crime and he he thinks it's all about the ideas and the philosophy uh that people accept so if you if you think that then you think we're in a huge crime wave now just wait wait till the people who are products of today's environment right now they could be they could be like five they could be ten right so i don't know five ten years later we're going to have even more crime than we do now and i do believe that so whatever you know what how do you profit off of you know this idea that we're going to have more crime that comes to my mind right um how do you profit off of that Maybe you can buy some prison stock. I don't know. But also, how do you protect yourself? What are you going to do? Like, maybe where will you live? Uh, um, maybe that affects, you know, where you raise your family. <laughs> uh, you know, all of those ideas pop into my head, right? And this idea, too, that it's not going to really be, be able to be fixed. I mean, even if we turn around the criminal justice system, I, I don't think so. So... <laughs> anyways, I'm going to leave this here for now. So thanks for listening.